President Trump tweeted that he may pardon someone because Sylvester Stallone asked him to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the pardon's for the guy who wrote Rocky Five. <laughs> well, that is funny that Sylvester Stallone called the president asking for a pardon for someone. The story is kind of interesting. I agree. Black heavyweight champion from uh, early 20th century who got arrested for taking a white woman across state lines. What kind for of immoral purposes. What kind of a freaking crime is that? If you were taking her to church, it'd be all right. That was a black guy dating a white woman. How is he so not? he was arrested for how's that. He Jack not, Johnson, perhaps yeah. the greatest heavyweight of all time. How's he not been pardoned already? I mean, pardoning dead people is its own, you know, sure conundrum. You could discuss that. <laughs> His family wants it. Sure, and I don't blame him. And it sends a, it sends a message that we don't think that was okay. Right, right. Yeah, I think it does send a good message. Anyway, of course, you know, I haven't read the uh, the specifics of the case. What were his purposes in transporting her across the state line? Because we can't have that happening willy nilly. <laughs> <clears throat> Question. Quick poll. When you uh, are driving somewhere and you cross a state line, do you say something about it as you cross the state line? Like if I'm alone? Well, no. If you're with at least one other person. God, I hate Oklahoma. <laughs> do you, uh, yeah, you yeah, absolutely. Say something humorous. How do you not? I think it's a universal, isn't it? Yeah. It's like a smile, Jack. It's the universal language. You, yeah. Welcome to Oregon. Good to be here. <laughs> you know? You're now leaving Oregon. I'll miss it. You know, whatever. Remember Oregon? That was good times. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're in Washington. (laughs) It's colder here. You know, I usually say something like that. Notice how windy it is in Oklahoma. (laughs) Or why do you have to go so effing slow in this state? Because you usually get, you know, greeted with the buckle your seatbelt and here's how fast you can go signs. But the pimento state, I'll be damned. (laughs) What is a pimento? I don't know. See, it's a conversation piece. So I was uh, shocked and horrified uh, by this Shorified? Shorified. Oh, shorified, yeah. Hot. We're too busy to say all the different words. Uh, it's a big uh, poll by the Knight Foundation and Gallup on First Amendment freedoms and what college students think of them. There was a landmark study. It was started in 2016, I guess, and they they talked to college students from I think it was uh, it was thousands of college students, et cetera, et cetera. Um, they've started it, and now they do it every year, and are tracking the trends, et cetera, et cetera. I'll just get to the results. And it's funny, the headlines are so subjective on this. The The greatest example we ever saw of this was when the Pew Research Center came out with their great global poll of Muslim attitudes. The headline, you may remember, was 80% of Muslims do not support terrorism. Or whatever the number was. I don't remember it. But that means 20% do, and 20% is hundreds of millions of people. So, writing a headline is a tricky business. Having said that, Students value both free expression and inclusion, though their commitment to free expression may, expression may be stronger in the abstract than in the reality. Majorities of students say protecting free speech rights and promoting a diverse and inclusive society are extremely important. The It better be a pretty big majority. Well, brace yourself, Jack. The headline is students value free expression. of college students say protecting free speech rights is extremely important to democracy. I want to find the person who wrote that headline and tape their mouth shut. 
Now you can't express yourself. Because I'd you're remove stupid. their voice box. Yeah, 56%. God, help our country. That's shocking. And you presented it as a good thing. <laughs> Barely a majority. That's amazing. How could that possibly be? Here's where it gets even scarier. When asked whether free expression or diversity and inclusion are more important, they tilt towards saying diversity and inclusion are. Now, let's get back to free speech just real quickly. Students continue to prefer campuses to be learning environments that allow for a wide range of views to be heard, et cetera, et cetera. We're all in favor of that. Everything from moderately liberal to very liberal. Exactly. But they're in favor of campus speech codes that oppose free expression. They uh, let's say they do not believe the U.S. Constitution should protect hate speech. And they continue to support campus policies that restrict both hate speech and wearing stereotypical costumes. You see, anybody who, that, that first part, you, you want free speech except for hate speech, you're not smart enough to be in college. <laughs> you right, need, you need to get You need to go somewhere else. Or you have been so brainwashed by the quote-unquote educators of your time that you are blind to reality in a way that's a little frightening. Again, Junior, here's the problem. If you even recognize a limitation on free speech based on quote-unquote hate speech, somebody has to define what hate speech is. Somebody has to define what unacceptable speech is. And you, Junior... And, and and your professors, you've all convinced yourselves that you're so morally uh, beyond reproach and you're so wise and you're so compassionate that you can be trusted with that responsibility. That idea terrifies me. You terrify me. And you also terrify most thinking Americans because you don't deserve the authority to restrict other people's speech. You explained to me, Junior, and uh, Professor uh, uh, left a lot, you explained to me how you have earned the right to abridge sacred rights. How have you gotten that gig? Explain, show me your resume. Well, and if, since somebody has to define hate speech, what if it's uh, Trump's White House defines it? And what if they define it as some of the stuff that you were really into and they de- de- declare that hate speech? Then well, what? that would never happen. Um, it fits in with Alan Dershowitz's um, op-ed piece in the Washington Examiner today, I think, why he's so upset with a lot of his liberal friends who are going along with some of this Trump stuff, where he says, look, if, if you're going to violate people's civil rights because you hate Trump, it's going to come back on us at some point. And in a big, big hurry, probably. Sure. Yeah. Students have become more likely to think the climate on their campus prevents people from speaking their minds because others might take offense. Um, The question is, does the climate on your campus prevent some students from expressing their views? 54% a couple of years ago said yes. It's now 61%. Say the campus... Keeps them from expressing their views. The climate on the campus prevents some students from expressing <laughs> I, their views. I would like to hear. I would like to hear their explanations. I mean, some of them might be uh, wise, understanding students who say, "You know, I feel like the conservative voices don't get a chance." Mm-hmm. But a lot of them might think, might be going with the. Um, they're still fighting the battles they already won. Women don't have enough rights in this. You know that right, sort of thing. Right. People of color are underrepresented. Et cetera, et cetera. Right. 
Listen to this, though. Uh, a majority of college students... Well, see again with the editorial. I'm just going to give you the numbers. I wish this was presented as a table and not in prose. 69% of college students believe political conservatives on campus are able to freely and openly express their views. 92% believe liberals are able to share their opinions uh, opinions freely. 8% so, don't think they can? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, So, but again... There's a 23-point gap, even among college students, who say, yeah, yeah, you know, there are 23% who say liberals can, but conservatives can't. Um, that's, that's well, at least they recognize it, but yeah. that's shocking. I mean, that's proof, well, it's proof of what we're saying, but what we're saying doesn't need any proof. It's self-evident. Um, all right, that's not, oh, 90% of college students say it's never acceptable to use violence to prevent someone from speaking. But 10% say it is acceptable sometimes. That's incredible. And 37% of college students believe shouting down speakers is acceptable. What percentage? 37. Wow. The heckler's veto. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, you know, How about when they're shouting down what you want to say? You're not always going to be... Well, no, no, you don't understand. No, I'm only for shouting down hate speech. You're not always going to be the majority opin- opinion everywhere you are in your life. At some point, you have to get off the college campus, I assume. Unless you get into academia yeah. and uh, spread the diseases of the mind that you've been infected by. Those are both super troubling. 10%... Believe violence is okay? Yeah, yeah. All right, here's the here's the Cliff's notes for those of you who are out partying and, and couldn't study for the test. Here's, here's Uncle Joe, your study leader. I'm going to give you everything you need to know. Every technique, every argument that you're claiming for yourself righteously to limit other people's free speech has been used in horrific, hateful, oppressive ways by bad people. Every single tool you've said you should get to use has been a u- has been used to oppress people throughout human history. If you're taking actual history courses, you would know that. What you're asking for yourself is the right to do something morally indefensible because you are so good and pure. Our short answer to you is F you. <laughs> well, well, this is... You don't get to do that. So you're... uh... Who are you who gets to oppress people because you're so righteous? Again, show me your credentials, Junior. I'm going to tell everyone about how shitty you are. You have a super cool social professor who has piercings and smokes pot? Is that your credential for limiting the First Amendment? You read freaking Howard Zinn and you know how racist America is? So you get to be the arbiter of inclusion and, and, and goodness? F you! So the purpose statement for your thesis is F you. Well, that's the summary. That's I'm the summary? I'm going to have to ask you to pay more attention. I thought it was the purpose statement. I think it is the purpose statement. Hate speech is not protected speech. Oh, Lord. Have you ever heard the expression knowing just enough to be dangerous? You are. Look up the Red Guard. Google it. Youth for Mao. Hitler Youth. Google it. Google it. We got a lot of texts on, uh, we'll probably get texts on this, Joe's uh, a little rant there. 
which I thought perhaps he'd come unhinged. Jack, that was America's rant. <laughs> he had Squawky the Eagle on his shoulder as he said it. You couldn't tell on the Stroking radio. Stroking him lovingly. <laughs> And we got uh, like uh, one person that works at a hotel, for instance, talking about how your website cannot be ADA compliant. Oh. Everybody's website is in trouble. Wait till you hear this. You're gonna get. We're all gonna get sued. Legalized extortion. Yay! Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. at my kid's school last night. It's like a million degrees in there. The schools refuse to run air conditioning at night, or what is that? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it happens all the time. Why? They don't it? have the budget for it. I actually thought afterwards, I thought, can I, contact the, can I contact the superintendent and say, I will personally pay out of my own pocket what it costs to run the air conditioner for an hour? I thought the next time we have many one of these. times. Many times. I mean, what it could it cost insufferable. me? 50 bucks? I mean, what's it going to cost? Yeah, yeah. It's S- that sweating and stifling still hot air. During uh, some activity. Yeah. All the second grade classes did uh, dances. I only got to see the first part because the little brother started uh, freaking out, and so I had to take him outside, and I was outside with all the other moms and dads who were with little siblings who couldn't stand being in there. Right. So we all, yeah. we all missed it. Well, yeah, you all should have danced for each other. Yeah. You know, yeah. according to the scary, scary commercials lately, all those problems in the schools are caused by those evil out-of-state billionaires. That's what I keep hearing. So what, what? And the only people standing up for your kids is the teachers union. Oh, thank you. I'm not against this at all. But I was just trying. I was just trying to noodle through. What's the educational value of you? This as we were doing it last night. Um, uh, I think the, the being up in front of people has got good value. You know, mm-hmm. trying that various times throughout your life, learning to be nervous and then still do what you practiced. Sure. These, these are all good life skills. I would agree. I know, also I'm pro education in the arts. Eh. Arts are arts overrated. It's what civilization is about, you cretin. Eh. Art is or do you say cretin? You wouldn't know because you're a cretin cretin <laughs> <laughs> and a philistine. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that learning to be to pr- practice something, be nervous, and then still do it in front of a group is a very valuable, mm-hmm. very valuable. Skill. Well, and 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 dance uh, instruction helped me understand what a terrible dancer I am. <laughs> Which helped me avoid humiliation later in life. Learning what you are not good at oh, yeah. is almost yeah. more important than learning what you are. It, it's certainly up there. I cannot dance. Yeah. I now know that. I, I don't want to waste my life pursuing something I'm terrible at. Mm. There's you, a real lack of that in today's society, I think, where, where everybody is so worried about everybody's self-image that they try to prevent people from realizing, I'm not terribly good at this, which is okay. Nobody's good at everything. Um, boy, you're not a great singer. You're never going to be a singer. There are a thousand great singers for every singing slot. Give it up. I think the number is a lot higher than that. Oh, yeah. Um, I'll just go through text quickly on a variety of subjects. I'm on the web team for a retailer that is being sued because our site isn't ADA compliant. So we've been screaming about this for decades. We even had meetings in the state capitol and met with legislators and, I mean, just all kinds of stuff where these wheelchair Nazis go around and sue businesses 
because and you can't be in compliance by the way yeah it's you impossible try, but you can't be but and they assume because the 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 line you painted for the handicap spot is a is a half inch this way or your sign's a quarter inch too low even though the state says it needs to be can't be that high or whatever and they sue you and they, they and, and you they, have to settle because it would cost you quadruple to defend yourself. Yeah, and a number of my favorite places have gone out of business. The Dairy Queen we used to have went out of business. It's often immigrants. That was an immigrant family, right? That right. that that uh, don't know how to handle the system as well, and they they ruin them. And, and it's them. a lot of historic businesses too. Oh get yeah, forced out of uh, business. Yeah, coffee shop that's been there for eighty years now out of business because they couldn't become handicapped. Compliant. Anyway, so now they're on to websites. And, and, I, and by the way, that the coffee shop example, those people have never denied any oh, service no. to a handicapped person ever and have always done anything it took to make their customers happy, but because they did not conform with the letter of the law, they're forced out of business. And most handi- it's the opposite of justice. And I think every handicapped person I've ever known would just think, well, I guess I can't use the bathroom at that place or whatever. Right. I'll go somewhere else. Yeah, you get to know, oh, that's the super old building with the tiny bathrooms. Yeah, yeah. Making the world perfect is not going to work for us. Uh, anyway, in our case, the claim is we don't, because so now it's onto websites. In our case, the claim is we don't have sufficient descriptions on images so that screen readers can describe the images to users with vision issues. This hotel room has a bed and a desk and a chair at the desk. And the bed is brown and has four, you know, four legs right. and whatever. And text not having sufficient contrast ratios against images, which can make text difficult to read. I hate when people do that. Dude, you got a red background with pink lettering. Nobody can read that. Very cute website, but uh, others on my team thought the person who just brought the suit what probably... What are you buying? Panties in this scenario? That's a very lurid website. People on uh, that worked with me thought the person had good intentions. They just wanted to... They, they, uh, they were just good people. I rolled no, my eyes. No, if they had good intentions, they'd be satisfied with us updating our site to be compliant and said they're taking us a several thousand dollar check from us. It's about extorting you. Yes, it's an extortion racket and always has been. Um, We're not against handicap accessibility. We're against extortion. This is a pretty good one. Uh, a lot of these people are uh, um, screaming and yelling about shouting down people in the name of free speech. The idea of them deciding what should be the norm for all America is just creepy. Well, in the end, liberals will be rounded up under Sharia law and their dream of utopia will clearly be dead. Yeah, there's that could happen. There's some truth to that. But there's a lot of people that really didn't like that segment, particularly probably Joe's ranting, which made me uncomfortable. I thought it was a hostile work environment. Such a lame segment. Says you, hot ass. Such a lame segment. The only people liberals hate are the conservatives that hate them for being gay or black. The hate always starts on the right. That's hilarious. We got a couple along those lines. That's absolutely hilarious. Uh, You're not laughing. Are you using that word sarcastically? That's dryly hilarious. Gotcha. It's hilariously ill-informed. What's coming up in your news? On my the... side can do nothing wrong. Did you just say that? They did, did you just write that and text they that to did. us? They did. Wow, there's some wisdom. I'll listen to you in the future. Update on the Toronto van attack in Washington State's governor insists to Bill Maher, we've got the best weed in the USA. Coming up minutes from now, Armstrong and Getty. You know, he's been a fan for a very long time. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. So, I've been wondering, everybody's been wondering if uh, the person that killed all those innocents in 
Canada was a terrorist or a crazy person. Let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. Well, the Toronto van suspect is being charged now with 10 counts of first-degree murder and 13 counts of attempted murder. Police, though, say they still don't have a motive yet as to why the driver targeted pedestrians with his van on that Toronto street yesterday afternoon. Canadian law enforcement, though, assuring people the attack is not connected to national security. Toronto Police Chief Mark Saunders. There is uh, nothing on our files. Uh, we've looked right across, and there's, there's nothing that we have on on uh, on him right now. How do you claim a negative less than 24 hours after the incident, even as you say you don't have a motive? What the hell is that? A lot of these guys, yeah. I think most of these guys were pretty obvious, though. Yelling Allah Akbar, you know, their Facebook was just all, I'm with ISIS and that sort of thing. Sure. But this guy's clearly not that. So He's we'll not? Well, he wasn't yelling a la Akbar. He doesn't have a Facebook page, Facebook page covered with I'm with ISIS. Okay. All right. Rolling Do you up. think he does? No. I think it's the first 24 hours. Mm. Yeah. I think saying this has nothing to do with national security at this point, you know, it's possible they know something, or it's possible this is yet another example of that stuff being horse crap. Rolling out the red carpet this morning, French President Emmanuel Macron and his wife welcomed by President Trump. President Macron, Mrs. Macron, members of the French delegation, and distinguished guests, welcome to the White House. Trump and the French president gearing up for a presser within the hour. The uh, couple's also going to be honored uh, with a state dinner tonight. And again, we're going to have that press conference coming up in about 15 minutes. I would like one square inch of food with much butter. (laughs) I would like some French toast. (laughs) <laughs> and French fries. The first. We. Oui. Do you have any French's mustard? The, the first lady. Put on my French toast. The first lady confirming a menu tonight will consist of three courses of American French onion soup, of Amer- French fries, and French toast. <laughs> three courses of American dishes with French influences. The main course will be rack of spring lamb with Carolina. Oh, yeah. oh you ever had autumn lamb? Oh, God, please, I'd rather eat crap. <laughs> <laughs> Wines made from French plants harvested in Oregon will oh, also that's, be that's served. nice. That's Those a little Oregon come plants. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. the clippings from. Uh, you know what I learned? I was talking to uh, winemaking yep. with my friend Dan uh, from Oak Farm Vineyards, and uh, it, 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 clippings of vines from like great vineyards. It's just like racehorse semen. If it's like from a super expensive, ra- or, you know, super champion racehorse, it costs you more. It's just like that. It's not completely like racehorse semen. <laughs> it's similar. Well, it's certainly harvested differently. I'll grant you that. A federal appeals court has ruled that a monkey cannot sue for copyright infringement on his selfie. Yeah. Was it a monkey court? <laughs> yes. So wait a minute. <laughs> I've been warned about this. <laughs> the ruling comes after photographer David Slater had set up his uh, camera in an Indonesian forest, and Naratu, a crested macaque, took photos of himself. Careful. PETA sued after Slater went ahead and published the pictures, claiming that the monkey's copyright had been infringed upon since he took those photos himself. Right. Initially, the suit dismissed after the court ruled a monkey lacks the standing to sue, but PETA went back. How about the crouching? They, they appealed, saying the U.S. Copyright Act doesn't say the author of the work has to be human. The bailiffs had to corral the monkey after he began throwing his feces at the judge. So well, the gentleman you yield. No, I will not yield to this monkey court or whatever this thing this is. This is not a monkey court. <laughs> Apparently it was. In the opinion, the circuit court judge Carlos Bay offers, clo- uh, quote, 
we conclude that this monkey and all animals, since they are not human, lack statutory standing under the Copyright Act. I love animals, and I hate PETA so much. Oh, yeah. They're such oh, yeah, a bad I, organization. Yeah, yeah they, they're going to get getting publicity. Yo, they're great at getting publicity. So, reminder, they don't want people to have pets either. Like, the, like oh, dogs? Right, right. Like, that's no. No, no, There'd no, be no dogs. They just wouldn't exist. Right. Which, w- weirdly, a lot of animal rights activists yeah. think would be better. Release if, them all into the wild. Yeah. Washington State, as you know, has been a leader in legalizing the use of marijuana. As a guest on HBO's Real Time with Bill Maher... Governor Jay Inslee bragged about his state's progressive agenda, fine coffees and salmon, and its quality bud. I can honestly say we got the best weed in the United States. <laughs> it's a growing industry. That's, and well, well-regulated. It is well-regulated. Well-regulated. That's, that's right. By the well, way, they, they, Humboldt they, County would give you a run for your money. They but, are. But, <laughs> they're putting a little pressure on us. We've heard from the uh, Attorney General in Seattle, actually, and we need to make sure that they back off. Governor Inslee going on to add, Wouldn't it be wonderful if the first time Donald Trump said something that was actually true, if he said he'd leave us alone on our marijuana decriminalization? Yeah, I hope that that will occur. Hey! I hate Trump and love weed. Jeff Sessions has said good people don't smoke marijuana. Yeah, good. (laughs) Thank you. A lot of not good people here. There you go. The governor of the great state of Washington. You know, Washington weed, I'm sure, is very fine. I'm sure you junkies will be sure to text us. On how Washington weed is, but if you had a biathlon, weed plus wine, California'd win by miles. And Globally, too, probably. Well, well, yeah. At what point, though, do we get to move past the hilarity of all this and just accept that it's, it is what it is? It's an industry. It's fine. It's there. I do whatever you want. I don't care. But does it have to? Con- do we have to continue I've to talk about it? By. Do we have to continue to talk about it and think it's so hilarious? Well, the serious answer to that is when the attorney general stops saying things like good that, people that's don't a smoke answer. marijuana. Right. That's a decent answer. Right. He's still talking about it. Actually, I wish he'd shut up about it, and then they, every day everybody would shut up about it. I can't even picture Jeff Sessions without picturing what's her name from Saturday Night Live. <laughs> I know. It's a weird, demonic little Jeff Sessions. Ah, it's ruined it. It's ah! strange, isn't it? That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. Here I'm starting at Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. <laughs> Oh, squawky, squawky. Oh, that reminds me that somebody killed three bald eagles. What? Somebody murdered three bald eagles in... Uh, Why? Albany, uh, Washington, I think. Like for their meat or feathers or something, or just to kill them? Nah, they just murdered them. Well, that person needs to be put Horrendous. away. Yeah. Yeah, state troopers are trying to figure out what went on, but shot them. America haters. I'll bet you it's liberals. Trump and Macroni should swap wives, says this texter. Well, that's a helpful suggestion. <laughs> well, then. Texter making the same jokes my friends did yesterday. <laughs> yeah, it, it, you look at the, the, the couples standing there and you think there's a, there's a mix up going on here. Yeah, same age difference between the two couples, right. just inverted genders. <laughs> I saw the two first ladies with the two first gents planting that French oak tree on the White House right. ground. The girls Where were holding her? hands. Well, they had to for support. They were wearing six inch heels on a lawn. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Can't we have some sort of thing where it's okay to slip nah, on some, think, some tennies? I think that should be mandatory. Six inch heels everywhere all the time. Wow. Wow. Constantly. Nice. Nice. How about voting for women? How do you feel about that? <laughs> You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Of the nation.
The Armstrong and Getty Show. To Arnav Kapoor, a graduate student in the Media Lab, the future is silent. He's developed a system to surf the Internet with his mind. What happens is when you're reading or when you're talking to yourself, your brain transmits electrical signals to your vocal cords. You can actually pick these signals up and uh, you can get certain clues as to what the person intends to speak. So the brain is sending an electrical signal for a word that you would normally speak, mm -hmm. but your device is intercepting that signal. It is. So instead of speaking the word, your device is sending it into a computer. That's correct. That is the future. It's, uh, it was just a matter of time to where we, we just think what we want to do. And then uh, if we have you know any device with us connected to the Internet, we could just think. And he did this on 60 Minutes if you didn't see it. See it. Scott Pelley asked him a question. What's the biggest city in Bulgaria and what's its population? The guy thought the question. Then the most amazing part to me is that he was able to Google it with his mind, but then the answer came into his brain silently. And he's, he named the city, whatever it is, what? and the population. Yeah. Wow. And if we're at this point now, right. imagine what's going to happen in five years. Awe-inspiring and maybe an itsy-bitsy-bit terrifying as well, huh? I, I don't know what this means. It, will, it could change everything. Well, yeah, but if you can have a computer computerized relationship between whatever, my brain, uh, a search engine, and then coming back to my brain... Where there is a computer relationship, there is hacking. Hacking in your brain? Yeah, or at some point along the chain. I just heard the government is putting out new warnings about um, office computer networks and home office computer networks that the uh, the Ruskies are working on vulnerabilities there and can hack into your individual computer with various, you know, into your router and that sort of thing, right. and the router manufacturer is working like crazy, et cetera, et cetera. So, oh, there'll be plenty of downsides. Yeah, I, mean, I don't mean to be negative about it because it's awe-inspiring. I mean, handicapped people... You know, uh, accident victims, uh, the paralyzed, the, the lazy, blind, the lazy, etc. I mean, it's it's uh, miraculous. Oh, it is. But if we all have access to Google in our brain, what is that going to do? Make us all insane. And do you have any more questions? I could Google them for you. Seems to me that obviously we'll be able to compute, c c communicate telepathically. You would be communicating, you'd be sending your brain stuff to your computer, which sends it to my computer, then sends it to my brain. So, in effect, your brain's talking to my brain without speaking out loud. This party sucks. You want to get out of here? Oh, yeah. Can you believe he's wearing that? Um, so, that's, that's inevitable within a few years. So, you guys are thinking of all these, like, real-life practical applications. All I can think of is if I had this technology, I would be the greatest quiz show contestant in the history of time. <laughs> well, that would ruin quiz shows. No more quiz shows. Imagine a world without quiz shows. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't know if it. You know, I don't know. I, I'm not smart enough to think of the possibilities on all this. I suppose then you could be driving your car with your brain. You could be uh, running all your appliances in your house with your brain instead of even saying, you know, Siri do this or Alexa do that. You just think it with your brain because we're so like overtaxed physically these days by walking to the dryer and spinning the shirts again. Yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting thing. Yeah. One question that is uh, as yet unanswered, however, is what is the capital of Bulgaria? <laughs> but again, him communicating that to the computer is amazing. The computer communicating it back into his brain really blows my mind. I don't know how that works, but yeah, it did. Yeah. 
Um, a couple of texts we got. Would anybody be offended if President Macron gave Melania a French kiss? Well, we were going down that road, and we got this text. Thanks for that. We got this text. Today, I lost whatever I had in credibility with you guys when you made fun of the French. Juvenile, not even remotely funny. You guys sounded like a bunch of fourth graders. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) How have you lasted this long? How long have you listened? No kidding. That was not notable in terms of childishness. (laughs) You must be a new listener. That put you over the edge? Stay tuned. There will be a lot more. (laughs) Uh, I thought that was kind of funny. Um, and, and you know what? The older I get, the less I give a damn about the standards of people like you. <laughs> so brace yourselves. The um, Back to the homelessness question. Here in America, we like to let our crazy people wander the street, enter at your own risk. I noticed when I was went to Spain, my home country, I did not see one homeless person, not even in Madrid, and that is a huge city. Um, I know this is a huge problem in America, and my husband's a policeman, if they put mentally ill people in hospitals where they belong, his volume would drop, he says, by at least 85%, and that's in San Francisco. Wow. That is That might be one of the big questions of our time as we're coming out of these shootings and maybe the guy with the van and whatever else and the guy who stabbed the poor dudes eating at the restaurant. Yeah. Um, what do we do with the crazy mentally ill people for our own safety and for their well-being? Well, and this is what I always pitch to my friends on the left about fiscal conservatism. If we were not squandering mind-boggling amounts of money and wasting it, there would be so much money to deal with mental health. There would be, you know, kind and compassionate and comfortable facilities for those who can no longer live independently in my imagined world. Um and, and and we would not have these problems. But no, there is not a single dime for that because we're building $100 billion bullet trains and have redundant programs and wasteful programs and the rest of it. Got this text. Marijuana use has exploded into our middle and high schools. Um, you should do a show about it. Is that right? I, I, I can't confirm or deny that, but that'd be interesting if that's the case. And then you got to look at you know cause and effect and what that means for society. But I haven't heard that anywhere. Um, although the mo- I've heard conflicting data on on pot smoking rates in Colorado, which is kind of the uh, the leader, the first in. Right. Uh, I'd like to know. I mean, it's worth knowing. I don't, I see. Just understanding what's happening is is fine. I'm not threatened by facts that tend to undermine the way I see the world. I just think, wow, that's interesting. I need to deal with that, or my ideas are not so good. Joe was on his soapbox a little earlier. Great rant, Uncle Joe. Gave me a freedom boner. Yes! That's what I'm looking for. (laughs) The old FB. Joe, helping make America great again. Thank you. Oh, speaking of which, we're talking to the fabulous Jonah Goldberg. For those who get the award-winning fourth hour of the show live, the rest of y'alls, grab the podcast. It'll be worth it. Uh, We'll talk to Jonah about his book, Suicide of the West, how the rebirth of tribalism, populism, nationalism, and identity politics is destroying American democracy. Mm Mm-hmm. Long book titles aren't helping either. <laughs> that is a long book title. Haven't yeah. I just read the book? <laughs> Seems like I've just read the book. Wait, there's more words? <laughs> I thought that was the book on tape. Yeah, well, I'm sorry. I accidentally read the entire book. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, something. Anyway, you were saying. Jonah's a good dude, so we'll talk to him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
the French jokes. Really, that's what set you off. I mean, those were they were just dumb. They were meant to be dumb. God, I find that yes. absolutely kind hilarious. Of the point was how dumb they were. That is absolutely. I, I hilarious. don't. I don't see in what context making fun of the French. Yeah, I don't see in what context it was making fun of the French. Not that I'm against making fun of the French either. If, but okay, to go too serious, serious on this. Through with them, the Belgians. <laughs> if anything, we were making fun of us for assuming that French cuisine right, exactly. was like French dressing. Yeah, and exactly. French fries. You're yeah. trying to explain the difference between Tuesday and Wednesday to a dog, Sean. <laughs> well, see, one is the second day of the week. Well, I guess that depends if it starts on Sunday or not. Yeah, it's complicated. <laughs> and uh, finally this. The most expensive property uh, has sold in L.A. County $110 million. Oh, I've seen this house. Uh, some billionaire bought it. There's a shock. Uh, previous record was the Playboy Mansion just a couple of blocks away for $100 million. I think I think this is the story I brought you a while back where somebody renovated and was about to buy the most expensive home in America and then somebody renovated and made a home slightly more expensive just like three houses away <laughs> just to be an a-hole. <laughs> well, that's part of it. There's a big difference between you're a big swing and Richard and you have the most expensive house in the country yeah. or the second most expensive house in the country. People drive by the most expensive house. They might not the second most expensive house. They egg the second most expensive house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whatever. Get a house, idiot. Troll you. <laughs> Wouldn't that make you mad? You spent $100 million, but that guy put in a, I don't know, a million-dollar theater. And, and now you he's... can see it from your house. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the problems of the super wealthy. <laughs> At least they're not the French. <laughs> these assholes in their fucking yards. That's right. They're French knots and they're French. Host, uh, uh, President Ooh, Trump is French in... vanilla, the worst vanilla. Trump is in theory doing a press conference. We'll bring you a highlights of that. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.